Welcome to the Free Range Preacher on Prayer podcast. Your host, as always, is Fred. Our desire is to encourage, exhort, and educate on biblical prayer through this podcast. The mission of the podcast is to help everyone God allows us to help achieve a growing, biblical, dynamic, and satisfying prayer life. If you have any questions, comments, or prayer requests, you can reach us at freerangeprayer at gmail.com. If you would like, you can make a positive review wherever you get your podcast. That would be appreciated. Welcome to today's episode of Free Range Preacher on Prayer Podcast. Welcome to the Free Range Preacher on Prayer podcast. As you have already heard, my name is Fred, and I'm the host of the podcast. And I do bless the Lord Jesus Christ for allowing me to be the host of the podcast. It's a joy, and it's a wonder that he does that. But I really do praise him for it and thank him for it. And as it turns out, I'm extra excited for today. I've told you many times that I love the Word of God, and I do. But today for me is one of those particularly poignant passages, and I'm humbled and blessed to be able to bring you today's devotional. Our devotional, therefore, today is going to be Psalm 131, the whole psalm. It's not very long, and it reads this way, O Lord, my heart is not proud, nor my eyes haughty, nor do I involve myself in great matters or in things too difficult for me. Surely I have composed and quieted my soul. Like a weaned child rests against his mother, my soul is like a weaned child within me. O Israel, hope in the Lord from this time forth and forever. And my prayer for this episode is to bless and to give my own soul from God's word an increase in my reverence and in my humble gratitude for the supernatural peace that he gives us through the example of David in the truth of God and by God's grace. My prayer is also that I am able to share this with everyone who listens, to share it effectively. God's word gives us his peace and comfort, and it all glorifies him. So this is part of our new schedule that we've talked about before. Today, we're going to do a devotional that'll kind of push us into the weekend to give us a peaceful entrance, if you will, into the weekend and to get ready for the Lord's Day. And we want to focus on our composing our hearts to conform us to His will in our lives. A short time ago, I started hearing the phrase existential danger. And it's actually been around a long time. I had just never heard it myself. So I've looked into it a little bit. And as I understand, when somebody talks about an existential danger or an existential threat, what they're talking about is a deadly threat, which is imminent. And when we keep that in mind, even if today, around the world, most people don't live under that real threat of physical death, on a daily basis. 
The truth is, up until a generation or two ago, all of humanity faced that uncertainty every day. Through disease and hunger, hatred, jealousy, the last two related to violence, all mankind lived on the precipice of death. We have talked a lot about Jonathan Edwards, maybe not an excessive amount, or maybe an excessive amount, depending on your point of view. But in a day when he lived in the 1700s, when he lived, the child mortality rate was 35 to 40 percent. That means four out of every 10 children died. And Jonathan Edwards had 11 children. Jonathan Edwards' children all reached adulthood. And what they fought, particularly at that point in time, especially the children, were things like smallpox, diphtheria, pneumonia, measles, scarlet fever, tuberculosis. Now, in our culture, those are almost gone. And even all over the world, they are a lot better than they were before. But those diseases were an enemy of children. And as, they, as people grew, they had other enemies as well, didn't they? So every day they lived with the knowledge that death could be right around the corner. And most families out of 11 children, as we've seen the statistics, only seven of those would have grown into adulthood. Now, like I said, in our day, we don't really live with existential threats. In our day, what we're bombarded with is a steady stream of fearful notions, of perceived fears. And there's an exotic list of them. They're almost innumerable. They're almost infinite. And this steady stream of fearful notions, of fearful thoughts, of perceived dangers, has only grown exponentially as our technology has grown, as we have have more and more information at our fingertips. What we get mostly is bad news, or scary news, or terrifying news. And it's almost impossible to find any kind of respite from this barrage of dangers that come to us in all kinds of ways every single day. For me, sports is a way of escape, or has been. But even that now, even our spontaneous entertainments, we get confronted with dangers and fears, and there doesn't seem to be any real escape from it. It's just there all the time. And in fact, one of my favorite comedy podcasts has a sponsor. They do commercials on this, and they have a sponsor. And the host, who's being funny a little bit, but kind of being in his character, in his nature, consistently reminds the listeners, us listeners, that the maker of the product is trying to scare them and trying to scare them into buying their product. And it may keep them safer. I don't know. But they are trying to scare people. And so we find that fear or the notion of fear is all around us all the time. And to be honest, I'm not sure which is worse. The knowledge of real death, that existential danger being right there, or just the unrelenting scary news that comes in. And right now it's everything from nuclear war or some crazy person with a nuclear bomb or some asteroid that may come and hit the earth. But all of that can make us afraid and can take away our peace. But we, the children of God, as the children of God, we know that God works as he always does to provide us a remedy from that kind of pressure and that kind of fearfulness. And it comes, obviously enough, through the word of God. And again, I want to read Psalm 131. O Lord, my heart is not proud, 
nor my eyes haughty, nor do I involve myself in great matters, or in things too difficult for me. Surely I have composed and quieted my soul. Like a weaned child rests against his mother, my soul is like a weaned child within me. O Israel, hope in the Lord, from this time forth and forever. Now it occurred to me, kind of for the first time in, in this kind of context, but actually our first step in anything we are doing with God, involving God, actually begins with humility, doesn't it? The very first thing we do is we need to humble ourselves. And David, in this psalm, does the exact same thing here. He says, O Lord, my heart is not proud, nor my eyes haughty. David there is humbling himself. He's saying, I'm not proud and I'm not haughty. And we humble ourselves because we know him with whom we have to do. So we understand. And when we look at Psalm 139, another psalm of David, we hear him confessing this. Thine eyes have seen my unformed substance. And in thy book they were all written, the days that were ordained for me, when as yet there was not one of them. How precious also are thy thoughts to me, O God! How vast the sum of them! If I should count them, they would outnumber the sand. When I am awake, I am still with thee. And this is a psalm in context of David confessing his trust in the Lord, his knowledge of the Lord, which makes him trust him. And we know biblically that our days are designed and they are ordained according to his purpose, according to the purpose of God. So we know he set everything out before us. And that's a profound thought that we know everything is in his control and everything is laid out before us all our lives. But the best part for me, what I love, is when he says, when I awake, I am still with thee. And that actually speaks to the dangers we talked about before especially David, and especially when he was a fugitive and King Saul was chasing him around. When he went to sleep, there was there were two occasions. One of them was when the king was sleeping that Dave, David had an opportunity to kill King Saul, but he didn't. So even lying down to sleep was an uncertain proposition. It was an uncertain action. But here David says, it doesn't matter because when I awake, I am still with thee. And no matter how we go to sleep, whether it's our last time that we close our eyes or whether it is nightly, we know when we awake, we are still with God. And that's humbling. It's amazing. And it's humbling on top of that, that our God loves us. We are in his presence all the time. We do then have rest and comfort knowing that we are resting in the everlasting arms of Jesus, who is the Christ, who died for us, and is even now preparing a place for us. And we also rest in his purpose. Moses, in Psalm 90, says this, and he's talking to God, So teach us to number our days, that we may present to thee a heart of wisdom. That's our personal goal, is to number our days, to understand our lives, that we're able to present to God a heart of wisdom. And I just finished Ecclesiastes the other day, and Ecclesiastes 12.13 says this, the conclusion, when all has been heard, is fear God and keep his commandments, because this applies to every person. So we're looking to present to him a heart of wisdom. We're also looking to glorify him. That concerns every person. 
And if you'll remember, our ultimate end in prayer is the same as everything else in our lives. It's to give glory to God. As we humble ourselves, we learn what's required of us. Humility, seeking wisdom, and keeping God's law, and giving Him the glory for all of those things. So our peace comes as we move and we choose to humble ourselves before God. And then David says this, Nor do I involve myself in great matters or in things too difficult for me. If you ponder or review the life of David, you know he did some mighty great things. He did some mighty powerful things. What he didn't do, well, he probably did some of it, but what he tried not to do here in this psalm is to involve himself in great matters, things too difficult for him. And we also need to choose not to worry about tomorrow, not to worry about the things we can't change. We choose, we need to make that choice to focus not on the dangers, real or perceived, but we need to focus on trusting God and His perfect will for us in this present moment. He tells us not to worry about the future. We don't have to worry. Now, I personally have a hard time with that. As my family listens to this, They'll be shaking their heads as they listen because they know I worry and I worry too much. And sometimes I focus and rehearse my fears. And that actually doesn't help. It doesn't help me and it doesn't help you. It doesn't help anybody. And that's why Jesus tells us to stop worrying. One of these days I'll tell you my story about fretting. But for today, I'm saying, Fred, stop worrying. Stop fretting. You can't handle great things. I and we really only have one choice. We need to listen to Jesus. And in the Gospels, he tells us that God is able to feed and water and clothe his children. He's able to keep us safe. And he keeps the birds and the animals. He keeps them all safe and fed. He knows we need those things. And he's able to provide those things. And then Jesus says this in Matthew six thirty-two and 33. For all these things the Gentiles eagerly seek. Food, shelter, water, clothes. That's from me, by the way. The verse again then picks up. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Our own peace, our personal peace, is enhanced and multiplied when we eagerly seek after God and His kingdom. It's not enhanced. We aren't more peaceful if we sit and worry and try to figure out what we're going to do when all the ice melts and we're all drowning in the sea of ice. It's not productive. It doesn't help us. And we may want to read about things and learn about things, but not to the point that we fuss over them. We have to remember that God is in control and he's on our side. I love the book of Isaiah. I really do. And in 46, 9-11, Isaiah says this, and, and God's talking. And God says, Remember the former things long past, for I am God, and there is no other. I am God, and there is no one like me, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times things which have not been done, saying, My purpose will be established, and I will accomplish my good pleasure. What a great verse. Because his good pleasure is our good, isn't it? 
and ushering us ultimately into heaven, but taking care of us while we are here. His good pleasure then humbles us, and it allows us not to involve ourselves in difficult things, things we don't understand or things we don't have any power over. All those things are His purview and His alone. God can't do any dumb things, but one of the dumbest things He would ever do is listen to me the way I think should, things should happen. And so we shouldn't focus on what we think is best in the moment, but trust that God knows what is best in the moment. So we choose to humble ourselves, and we choose to leave to God everything He's promised to do. And we've also chosen to believe Deuteronomy 29.29, the secret things belong to the Lord, and we need to rest in that and know He's got them. And as we humble ourselves, as we choose to let God take care of what God's going to take care of, now we do have a part in the kingdom, right? We're seeking Him, but we let Him take care of everything else. And then David says this, one of the most tender verses in all of Scripture. David says, Surely I have composed and quieted my soul like a weaned child rests against his mother. My soul is like a weaned child within me. And we also choose to rest and compose our souls. In fact, we're going to compose and quiet our souls. Now, the Hebrew word here for compose, it connotes becoming equal or appropriately aligned with something. And at first blush, that maybe doesn't make sense. But when you marry that with the truth we've just learned, we align ourselves with everything that he's told us. We align ourselves with his eternal mercies and his eternal purposes. So we let our souls get on equal footing with what he's told us. And from there, then, we purposely quiet our souls. And that word quieted, I love this, I just love this part, means to be motionless and silent. So we compose our souls, we line up with the promises of God, and then when we do that, we rest, we become motionless, and we become quiet, we become silent. And I am an old man, and I have children, and I have grandchildren. And so for me, this is such a beautiful picture because I love watching weaned children, at this point it was probably four or five years old, as they rest in their parents' laps. Now a four or five-year-old child is capable of running and crying and shouting, but in this picture, David pictures himself capable of all those things, but instead sleeping, again, in the lap of his parents. He's not moving. He's not fussing. He's resting. He's immovable. And he's noiseless. Because he has full confidence in what God is doing. He has full confidence in the arms that are embracing him. He knows God loves him. And he trusts that gentle embrace. Like I said, I love that picture. And in Zechariah 2, as God is proclaiming his process in defending Israel, in verse 8 he says this, For thus says the Lord of hosts, After glory he has sent me against the nations which plunder you. For he who touches you touches the apple of his eye. We're the apple of his eye right in the middle of your eye. And you know what you do when something pokes at your eye? It's precious and tender. And we are precious and tender in the eyes of God. And we can rest and glory in the fact that we are the apple of his eye. And he is perfect in power. He's perfect in his promise keeping. And he says, 
no one is going to touch the apple of my eye. Again, I just love the poetry and the truth in God's word. You know how much you protect the apple of your eye. And again, we are the apple of his eye. We are in that safest place. And that's an everlasting promise as well. And again, one of my favorite Psalms, Psalm 4.8, David says this, In peace I will both lie down and sleep, for thou alone, O Lord, dost make me dwell in safety. What a great promise. And we are like a weaned child, motionless, soundless, trusting in the arms of our loving God. We sleep, we rest, knowing that Jesus is going to make us dwell in safety. Now, as David calls out to Israel, in verse 3, O Israel, hope in the Lord from this time forth and forever. I'm actually calling out to my own soul. We can call to our own souls, everyone who listens. Be comforted. Be humble before God. Be comforted before God. Trust in the Holy God of the universe. And as we move to the weekend and the Lord's Day, compose yourself in the presence of God. Rest. Take this time, and not just get away and do fun stuff, but take this time to rest in God. Maybe a little extra prayer time. Our peace does not come from our own might. And it doesn't come from our efforts in mighty tasks to do great things. It's not where we get our peace. Our peace comes as we rest in the everlasting arms of our Savior and Lord, who bought us, bought our lives with his own precious blood. Sometimes I find it odd in my own life that I trust him with my eternal soul, but somehow fight against trusting him with the little stuff, the day-to-day stuff, the things he's already promised to give me. Let's work together in prayer and in faith and in Bible reading to quiet our souls, to compose our souls in the presence of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Together, let's have a profound day of worship on the Lord's Day. Until Monday, then, may the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face to shine upon you and give you peace. Thank you for listening to today's broadcast of Free Range Preacher. We hope you enjoyed it and will join us for our next broadcast coming up soon. For Fred and myself, this is Richard Durrington saying, Make it a godly, fun-filled day.